This is Speaking of the Economy, a podcast hosted by the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. In each episode, we'll hear firsthand from the Richmond Fed's economists and other experts about the issues they're exploring, from access to credit, to workforce development, to regional differences in economic outcomes. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the views of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond or the Federal Reserve System. I'm Charles Jarina, online editor for the Research Department at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Today I'm speaking with Tuan Fan, a senior economist who joined the Richmond Fed in 2017. Tuan explores various macroeconomic issues, including asset price bubbles, debt crises, and the effects of climate change on economic growth. His published research on this last topic has garnered attention in the economics profession as well as in the business press. Climate change will also be the focus of an upcoming virtual conference that Tuan is organizing. We'll talk about both during today's conversation. Thanks for joining us, Tuan. Great talking with you today. Well, let's begin at the beginning. Uh, Why did you decide to explore the economics of climate change? Uh, What motivated you? So I was uh, in graduate school for a PhD in economics at Northwestern University. And I was studying macroeconomic problems, uh, especially the problem of debt and debt crisis that are very relevant for developing countries, including Vietnam, where I came from. And then I started to learn about uh, the ongoing climate crisis. Not so long ago, we reached the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere of 350 parts per million. And then we reached the 400 parts per million threshold, and it keeps going. From a historical perspective, for the past few hundred thousands of years, so it pretty much encompasses all of human existence on our planet, the atmosphere uh, CO2 concentration has never reached the 300 parts per million threshold. You can see this so-called hockey stick graph of historical CO2 concentration on NASA's website on climate change. So why does this matter? This increased concentration of CO2 and other greenhouse gas in the atmosphere is going to lead to global warming, increasing risk in various other kind of climate-related disasters like flooding, hurricanes. From the economic perspective, there are a lot of implications too, right? And all of these potential negative consequences, not only to to humans around the world, but also contributing factors to the unprecedented rate of extinction of animals and plant species across the world, really motivated me to to want to do something. And the only thing that I know to do is is to do research. Great. Um, So how did you start exploring such a big topic using the tools of an economist? So I started small. I started exploring the link between rising temperatures and economic growth immediately after graduate school and at the very beginning of my research career, uh, I was an uh, assistant professor in economics at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. So with uh, my co-authors, Rick, uh, Rick Colacito, who is currently a professor of finance at UNC, and with Bridget Hoffman, a former classmate from Northwestern, and now she is uh, currently an economist at the Inter-American Development Bank. Previously, there was an idea in in economics literature that rising temperatures were more likely to affect developing countries than developed ones. The developed countries like the US or Japan or the the European unions are much less reliant on the agriculture industry. We know that agriculture is excessively exposed to outdoor temperatures. When we did our analysis, to our surprise, we found that an increase in summer temperatures is actually associated with a significant decline in GDP growth at the state level. 
we found this effect across various different sectors, including uh, some sectors in services. And the effect is felt well beyond uh, just agriculture to various different sectors that encompass a significant portion of the economy. Uh, and the effects are quite significant, both uh, statistically and economically, throughout many of our robustness checks. Our research was published last year, 2019, in the Journal of Money, Credit and Banking. And to our surprise, it was cited by several newspapers outlets, such as you know, the Wall Street Journals, uh, the Bloomberg, uh, CNN, The Guardian. It was also cited in a congressional report to the president and uh, another congressional testimony last year. And that's how my uh, research agenda in this uh, climate economy literature began. Great. Uh, so, so far, what have you learned from, from this research and the research of your colleagues? I've learned a lot by reading the research literature and by conducting research with my co-authors. Uh, in particular, I've learned that there are many ways in which climate change has affected and will likely to continue to affect the global and the U.S. economy. For example, rising temperatures have been documented to raise mortality and mobility risks across the world, from India to the U.S. Now, there's evidence that it lowers labor productivity, even in industries that are potentially isolated from adult temperature. For example, even manufacturing labor productivities can be negatively affected by rising temperatures. The literature has found that rising flood risks due to sea level rise uh, affect property and mortgage markets in the East Coast. And also recent papers documenting that the rising exposure to Wi-Fi risks similarly affect the property markets in the West Coast. Now there's evidence that climate risks are affecting the sovereign and municipal bond markets, both at the national and the state levels. I think another strand of very interesting research is uh, documenting the effects of climate denial on the economy. As you know, they, in the U.S., there's a lot of heterogeneity about the degrees in which people believe in climate science, whether climate change is happening at all, or in the degree of people are worried at all about global warming. Several recent papers have shown that property prices in climate denial areas tend to be imperfectly pricing, so not fully incorporating the risk of future flooding due to sea level rise. Uh, also, there's some ongoing work showing that potentially be evidence that areas that are, uh, have more climate denial may be less prepared and therefore more vulnerable to climate risks like hurricane risks. It's something you've learned a lot so far, and you're continuing to do this uh, research at the Richmond Fed. Uh, other reserve banks have written about climate change as well and held conferences on the topic. Um, what is the Federal Reserve's interest in this? In my opinion, the Fed and also other central banks around the world uh, are interested in understanding how the climate crisis and its consequences can impact the macroeconomic and financial stability, as you know, which are re clearly related to our mandate. Uh, recent research papers have found that heightened flood risks due to sea level rise, for example, uh, are already affecting coastal property uh, prices. The climate-related Disasters can have amplified effects through the financial market. So to give you a concrete example, a recent working paper from Cornell University documented that a superstorm Sandy had a negative and persistent effect on coastal property prices in Boston. Uh, you know, Boston was not at all physically damaged by the storm itself. And the authors argue that these effects were driven by home buyers and investors 
revising their beliefs about future climate change risks after seeing the damages done by Sandy in New York and New Jersey. So that is an example of how the cost of, of disaster can be amplified beyond its direct physical damage through the financial market. Climate-related disasters will also amplify existing economic problems. Hurricane Maria had a devastating and persistent effect on the economy in Puerto Rico. The hurricane destroyed much of the island's infrastructure, including roads, electricity, schools, and hospitals. Uh, the island's government had a hard time borrowing money to rebuild, largely because it was already in the middle of a debt crisis when the hurricane hit. And taking a step back, a general finding in the literature uh, recently is that a heightened exposure to climate-related disasters like hurricanes increase the borrowing costs and the risk of defaults by government across the world, including small island states in, in the Caribbean and also even including municipalities right here in the United States. And if I may add, there's also an exciting area of research trying to investigate the heterogeneous effects of climate change on different communities. For sure, uh, the Federal Reserve has been really interested in the topic of uh, economic inequality. So uh, it's not surprising that that would be a focus of some research regarding uh, the effects of climate change. There is a, a literature on so-called environmental justice in economics. So it documents excessive exposure to pollutions like air and water pollution uh, by minority communities across the U.S. So I'm trying to do some work in this topic as well, trying to investigate whether communities' uh, colors are more exposed to climate-related risks. So, for example, in, in our uh, ongoing project, uh, my co-authors and I, we found that uh, minorities, so in particular Blacks and Lat Lat Latinos, uh, in surveys conducted by Gallup, they're more worried about global warming than whites, uh, controlling for education, income, and various other factors. That begs the question, why? And that reminds me of a, of a recent paper studying the effects of uh, redlining enrichment. Historically, many communities of colors in, in Richmond were subject to redlining practices in the property markets. And so the authors of this paper found that uh, redlined communities tend to have le less tree coverage. And as a consequence, when a heat wave comes, these communities face higher temperatures than other communities with more tree cover. When it's a very hot summer day, these redlined communities face higher heat index. And as a consequence, there are higher risk to health. Like it's, not, it's not hard to see why the Richmond Fed would convene a conference about this topic. What were your reasons for organizing it? We want to play an active role in getting together the best researchers uh, and the best research on this topic. So we need very careful understanding of the economic impacts of climate change. The San Francisco Fed organized a, a similar conference last year I'm involved in organizing a bi-weekly seminar series on climate change economics with colleagues from the San Francisco Fed, from Arizona State and the University of Hamburg. There are so many exciting new research projects, so many exciting research papers that are being done right now on this very vast topic of how climate change affects the very many different aspects of the world's economy. So we thought that there is an ex excellent opportunity for, for us at the Richmond Fed to bring together top scholars on various climate-related topics together for two days of virtually exchanging knowledge. Uh, what aspects of climate change will the conference presenters talk about? So the topics of the conference will be quite wide-ranging, from the economic implications of natural disasters 
to the long-run climate implications of the shale gas boom. This breath is actually quite necessary because the, the climate crisis is going to have a very wide-ranging set of effects across almost all the aspects of our lives. For example, Per Cassell from Stockholm University, at the conference, he will compare the effects of suboptimal climate policies across the world and compare that with what we think to be optimal kind of climate policies. Jim Stock of Harvard will talk about his empirical findings of the impacts of the various carbon taxes imposed across various European economies. Claire Baboni at MIT, she will talk about the effects of inefficiently building infrastructure in coastal areas in Vietnam that will be at risk uh, due to sea level rise. And I will speak about an ongoing project with uh, Richmond Fed co-author Philippe Schwartzman about how climate-related disasters will affect the cost of borrowing and the risk of debt crisis in small open economies around the world. And there are many other more papers. And I'm quite excited about this conference. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of interesting research being presented. Um, Going forward, what do you see as the role of the economics profession as the world figures out what to do about this climate uh, crisis? So I personally think that the worst damages of the climate crisis uh, can be avoided if we make drastic changes to our business as usual path. Throughout history, drastic changes will require redirecting scarce resources, Uh, By that, I mean human capital, physical capital, political capital towards uh, developing a more sustainable way of living our lives together and also living our lives with other beings on this planet. When you make change, we need to carefully understand the cost and the benefits of each step along the way. And I think this is where economic research can be extremely valuable. You can provide estimates of what will be the cost and what will be the benefits and what will be the optimal path, what could be the suboptimal path, and what are the trade-offs. That's how economists can make a difference. And that's how I hope to make a small, uh, but hopefully discernible difference in this, uh, in this very important topic. Well, thank you for your work on this and for sharing some of your insights today, Tuan. Thank you, Charles. Speaking of the Economy is produced by the Research Department at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. You can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcasts app or download past episodes from our website at richmondfed.org slash speakingoftheeconomy. Want to know more about the issues that the Richmond Fed has been exploring? Check out our regional focus, a series of curated web pages that showcase economic research and data, reports and essays, and community engagement endeavors relevant to 5th District communities. Just look for the links on the homepage at richmondfed.org. The intro music for this podcast was composed by Ernest Barbaric, and the sound effect used in the intro was produced by Keith Holzman. The outro music was by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening.